I suppose like me and JMO, I'm, we were we're used to just sort of being side by side. So it's it's actually I know he might listen to this, but it's actually been quite nice. <laughs> it's actually been quite nice to just not have him here for a week, and then it's just down to me to just run things. And I actually feel like I'm weirdly I don't know what you, like how you feel about running out on your own Joe, but like yeah, I feel a bit. It's a bit easier. I don't know why. I, I think over time, I think I'd find it hard because I think I'd miss bouncing off him and you know he's always got ideas and stuff and it is more fun doing it with with him but at the same time sometimes it can be quite difficult because he's just throwing in ideas all the time and you kind of lose your own mm. sort of what is George's ideas and what are JMO's ideas and what are my thoughts and what are his they just blend into two so this week I felt really clear so JMO if you're listening I do want you to come back at some point but I've been, it's been alright I've done well have you, do you think I've done alright Scotty? yeah you've done well Okay, it's been a tiring week though hasn't it? For everyone here. Yeah, it's been long. Yeah. We have we have a guest today. Would you like to introduce yourself? This is very exciting. Oh, I don't have to introduce myself. It's always a <laughs> difficult question because obviously at Sanctus we never want to be like, what do you do? And then expect a job. So uh, uh, whatever way you feel comfortable. Oh. Who are you? Who, Who am I? <laughs> um, well, my name is Joanna Montgomery. More of a jewel than Joanna. Um, and I run a company called Little Riot, which aims to make technology more human. And obviously, I mean, we're going straight in there, but like I've had a, a, the last week or so running it on my own. <laughs> yeah. how, how You've always run it on your own. Yeah. How's that been? Um, kind of like you just said, there, there are good elements of it and bad elements of it. It can obviously it can be very lonely. And you'd never have it, don't always have another person to bounce ideas off. Um, but then, sort of, some of the stuff you were just saying about it being easier, I think when you're on your own, ultimately you get to make the decision. So, which is, can be a good thing and a bad thing. But in, gen- in general, I think maybe when you're on your own, you can move a little bit quicker because you, when something comes up, you can just deal with it and you don't, you don't need to make sure anybody else is okay with it. That's how I felt this week. Rather than, So when you've come to me, Scotty, or somebody else on the team has come to me, sometimes I would think in my head, okay, I'll ask Jamo actually, just to just double check. Yeah. And not because I need to, just because just out of respect. Mm. But this week, I haven't done that. And I do feel like we've been more f- focused in a way as a team mm. and things have happened a bit more quickly. Um, has it always been like that for you? Have you always had the... Or have you ever had an experience with somebody, I suppose, either equal or being your next in command I suppose um, I've always I've always I was going to say I've always been on my own that sounds really depressing I've not always been on my own I've always had people around me um, the decisions have typically always been mine I think the only time that's not been true was when I had a set of particularly bad investors um, that could get a bit ridiculous because they could get a bit sort of like oh I'm going to do this and I felt like sometimes they would say actually no you're not and that that was coming more from a place of them wanting to play a power game rather than actually anything to do with the decision or what was right for the business. So rather than, yeah, what's right, it was more just... It was more like, we were just going to put you back in your box. Yeah, yeah. How, so how long has it now been that you've been at the top? Because it's been... Well, I can imagine it's not the easiest thing. <laughs> um, it'll actually be nine years. Nine years. September. Blimey. But that, that's actually how this came about because... Yeah, that's, that's always the question I ask. Yeah, how, how so did this come about? 
the last couple of years, I've been saying I want to do something called talking business. Mm. And last year, I did it on YouTube. So I did a few YouTube. They were more like interviews rather than this kind of setting. Mm. And the first two people that came to mind, I basically thought, who do I know that's been doing it for the longest and has done it differently to most people that I know? First two people I reached out to, and I checked my Insta DMs, was you, <laughs> Joe, and Matt Lanham. Ah. and I had Matt Lanham he hasn't been on the podcast yet but I did like a YouTube video with him and it was great and then the second person was Joe because we met God 2012 probably 2012 back when we both lived in Newcastle and we were kind of neighbours in this um, our offices were next door to each other and Joe was just this kind of yeah solo entrepreneur next door that I didn't really know much about mm. <laughs> and yeah I realised you've been going for quite a while even back then you'd already been going for a little while well two years yeah but I was so new to the scene <laughs> yeah, at that I point guess, I guess you were yeah, like when a you're veteran to me. <laughs> someone that's two years in has been doing it forever yeah. but yeah, yeah nine years is a long time does it feel like a long time in some ways it feels like a really long time but whenever I say nine years I'm like doesn't it doesn't feel like that long like that's nearly a decade yeah and when you say because you said people that are doing it differently mm. and what what does that mean for mine yeah how am i doing it differently George? <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna i'm i'm speaking for you here joe so you're trying to cut in i suppose we had been thrown into this world at that point of raising going on an ex- a tech accelerator and the raising money and you build an app and then you sell it. That's just kind of what mm. I thought was what everyone was doing. Then when I met you, Joe, you had this awesome, like this unique story of, it was like it started as a uni project and then you, the actual concept went quite viral. I'm literally speaking for you, Joe. And then you had tens of thousands of people get in touch before you'd mm. even sort of decided this is what you want to do. It was yeah. like you suddenly had thousands of people around the world wanting your product and that was just for me so unique and so fascinating and yeah just the fact that i just love the fact that you're in the in the office on your own doing it for those people that really wanted the product that was just really exciting to me and felt very different to the other 10 startups that were in that building that were all Mm. that had all raised 500k and were building an app i mean in some ways that was a blessing and a curse because all those people that wanted the product that that was the deciding factor that was why I started the business was because I had this um, idea that then it was just my university project went viral and the fact all these people were like oh I really want this this would change my life where could I buy it I was like oh cool well uh, you know I'll make this thing famous last words <laughs> and um, <laughs> so in a lot of ways it, it was good to have that and maybe I didn't really completely appreciate that at the time until I met other startups who were like we've got this idea and all this money and but like no customers are absolutely zero validation points but at the same time having all those people was also at times quite stressful because it meant I constantly had this audience who were like is it done yet is it done yet have you Mm. done it like why haven't you finished this so so was the driver for you at that point more um in somebody else's hands so like it, it was to appease somebody else or was it my or was it do you know this is what you wanted to do no i felt like i wanted to so i never really set out to start a business like i i had this this so i studied interaction design so the thing i really care about is how we use technology to communicate with each other and 
I developed this real frustration around the way we use screens and how we do everything through smartphones and we carry these little screens in our pockets and I felt like technology got as far as video calls and thought, okay, you can see the person, you can hear the person, that's as good as it's going to get. So I wanted to, um, even back at university, uh, I was looking at how we engage with technology and how we engage with each other using technology. So my project with Pillow Talk, which connects people using their heartbeats, so it picks up your heartbeat and sends the sound and the feeling of your heartbeat to um, a little device which another person has. And the, the aim was always to try and facilitate human connection in a way that technology doesn't allow or in situations that it, it, that it currently, that um, it, you can't experience human connection in at the minute. And I've forgotten what the question was. Hmm. Who are you doing it for? Who am I doing yeah, it for? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, like, that was always, I was like, I had this frustration and I wanted to make this thing and I sort of had this concept. And then all these people were like, oh, we love this, can we buy it? And I thought, okay, there's an, there's an interest in this. And I, I, I was never like, oh, I want to run a business. Like, I assumed I probably would run a business mm. someday, and if you asked my parents, they would say they always knew that was going to happen. But at the time, it was very much, these people want this thing, I have this thing, I want to give them this mm. thing I made, and a business happened to be the, the, the vehicle in which to do that. How, how important has it been to be running that business then? Because I can imagine that, I don't know whether the option would have come up, but from my perspective, if if it was the, uh, I suppose, the product side of things you were interested in, there would have been an option at some point to not run the business and just maybe go down into much more of a hands-on role in that respect. Um, possibly. I think, so one of the things that was quite good about my degree was it was sort of half computing, half design. So the idea was that we they had sort of computing students that could build things but couldn't make them work and they could make them work but couldn't make them nice to use and then they had designers who could design nice things but had nice experiences but couldn't actually make anything work Hmm. so we were meant to be these hybrids that sat in the middle that could sort of do a bit of both which worked out quite well I think but um yeah the nice thing about my degree was we always got to do a bit of everything so we we always built and tested these things and we were always part of the whole process from like conceptualizing interviewing um people testing things building things prototyping them taking them back to the users doing it all again that then when i started to get near the end of university and started to think what am i going to do with my life and I went and did some work experience and I realised that in the real world I'm only ever meant to be like a tiny part of that process. I'm only meant to like like mock up designs in Photoshop and that's all I'm meant to do all the time. And I didn't like that because I like like I guess I'm a generalist and I liked doing a bit of everything and, and having some um, uh, in, insight to the whole process. So in a lot of ways running a business actually fitted my personality quite well because it meant I, I could be part of the whole process and I could step in and out of the bits I wanted to engage with. Yeah. Were you, I, I've never actually asked you this question, George, but have you ever done, thought a similar thing? Like, I know actually yesterday on the Sanctus podcast you talked about how if Nike gave you a job offer, <laughs> would you ever work for someone? Either of us. Um, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think I would. Do you mean in my own company or no, anywhere? It, well, as in like... How important is it to be at the top, I suppose, and not be managed? I think the way, when I was hearing you talk about it then, Joe, you liked being involved in almost every part, 
but also like almost the control bit of like you knowing how well mm. you want it to look and feel mm. and yeah. be that's also really important to you so and I know that that's how you are you want it to be so good yeah. that you want to do it first yeah like I sat in a factory and chain entered my own quality control <laughs> yeah and I know, I know that's exactly what you, and I, that's that's how what I'm like to for me here to let other people do things has been really hard because I've had to watch people do it not as well as me mm. for for a few months and just trust that, that they will get better. and no. for those few months it's hard yeah like I'm going through it right now with the finance bit yeah I'm just trying to it's it's, it's a bit messy at the minute because I'm got a new accountant and a new um fd and they don't know it as well as i do and it's just like i'm having to just let it yeah stuff like yeah let it go but it's hard it's hard and i think it comes from that like i want it to be so good that i want to just do it myself this makes me think of i know james has talked before about having holding a a, like a pile of logs i don't know why that was an (laughs) analogy uh but he like just feels like he's got all these Mm. logs have you like oh, I don't know how clear that analogy will be but then I know he reached a point where he was feeling particularly burnt out and he, he decided he had to let go of said logs and let people carry some logs which <laughs> I remember at the time thinking <laughs> that was a sense. really good analogy <laughs> but uh, talking mm. about it now do you do you get what that means has there been a point mm. for, for both of you I suppose mm. where you've you've realised you can't do it all yourself I think I would describe it more as having to keep all the plates spinning Okay, that's yeah, how it feels to yeah. me it's like always trying to and, and like if you, don't, if you don't pay enough attention to one they are, uh, yeah so yeah they definitely reach the point where you're like I need to find someone to maybe spin half those plates or even one of those plates if someone yeah. could spin the plate in the end I can just focus on the other 500 plates do you remember the point that you realised that you couldn't just do it all yourself um, I guess there have been various points along the way depending on on what stage the business was at I think the main one was probably right after we finally shipped the product and fulfilled all the pre-orders I I wasn't prepared emotionally or logistically for just the I guess like the customer support people that had bought them as gifts and didn't need them anymore and wanted to return them just people that had questions like Mm. I just I thought I had a good grip on on the customer management side of things because I'd had this huge community for so long but that completely changed as soon as products went out the door and as well as the customers then you had all I also had like the warehouse and the logistics company I had all these other people emailing me with problems and that was a moment where I was like oh dear I'm woefully underprepared for this level of skill I think you're one of the few people as well that I know that has done a physical product yeah I know it's obviously there's a lot of technology behind it Mm. but yeah, it's quite real. common now, but mm. yeah, I mean, back when I started, like in 2010, like no one in Europe built consumer electronics. It just, it just didn't happen. And then for a long time, everybody was very scared of hardware. Um, and then wearables became a thing, wearables caught on, and now hardware is relatively cool again. So You know, when you first started, did you have time to kind of, because when you talk about that pull, you said it's great to have like this pull of people mm. thousands of people that want what you do because I never had that with my chat I was so jealous <laughs> that you had that but then when you talk about it it sounds like a, a burden as well because it's like I have to do this now and did you ever get like have chance to think like do I want to do this you know do I even want to build a physical product do you know what I mean or did you just think alright I've got all these people now I have to do it this is like I wouldn't necessarily describe it as feeling like I had to do it like, I know what you mean, mm. but it never really 
felt like I was just trying to do it for them. I think, obviously, by the time I was several years in, it, it became a, about me doing it for myself as well. Um, so, yeah, it never, it never necessarily felt like a bad thing, but, the, I mean, the, the community itself can be difficult. Like, having that, all those people is great, but then there's always... There's probably maybe like one in a hundred people can be really mean, mm. but even when you've got you know fifty thousand people saying this is great, keep going, and you've got you know I can't do the maths on that five hundred mm. people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's uh-huh. actually that's a lot of people that to be sending is, horrible yeah. emails, but yeah, it's it's incredible. Even like re- like near the end when I'm in the factory and I'm sending out updates every day and and people still have the capacity to be incredibly mean. Mm-hmm. And through, throughout the whole journey, I always try to be very transparent, even in the end months, like, look, I'm pr- pretty much like doing this on my own and, you know, I really want to do this and, you know, it's a struggle and we're trying to, we're, you know, we're trying to get this over the finish line and bear with me. And people were still just horrible sometimes. Like, the stuff they sent or the comments they'd leave, it's just, I think that that was... The only time it felt bad to have all those people is because for the handful of people that could really like ruin your day. Has that been because you mentioned it, like the emotional challenge of it? But has that been an experience? I suppose in regards to like mental health, that has been a, a challenge to get over dealing with. Um, well, the haters. Yeah, the haters. The I haters. suppose. <laughs> um, a bit. I mean, I, whenever I get, I get quite a lot of hate still. But I always figure if you have haters, like, better that someone's talking about you, right, than yeah, not right. talking about you, um, which is what I try and remember. But then, yeah, it can be it can be difficult, especially when it's something that is such a big part of you and this you've built this thing and you've put so yeah. much of yourself in it. And, like, for me, in a lot of ways, a lot of my identity, certainly as an adult, has been about Pillow Talk and about the business. Um, probably because it's been, I mean, it's been my entire career, right? Because I walked out of university and did this thing. So it's, it's been my entire career. So it's definitely a big part of me. And then it's horrible when someone, not even someone, it's not even about someone criticizing that. I can deal with someone criticizing the product and not liking the product. It's when people make an attack on me. Mm-hmm. And logically, you know that, like, it's not about me, it's about them. And it says more about who they are as a person and their character. But, you sometimes you read these emails and you think, okay, I'm just gonna like ignore that, but you, like you you can't, and it just it loiters there, and you can carry it around with you, and then yeah, it can it can be difficult. I think it's mad how just one message or one email yeah. versus even if you've had five hundred yeah. that week, I can just cancel out the- I think it's fascinating because we've had now I, well, several people on here, mm. but this is the first time I've ever heard. I suppose it's the first time it's been a product or hardware. Um, as you say, and it's the first time I've ever heard them, well, you getting hate for it mm. uh, because everyone else has, that's never been a challenge for them. But it makes me think it's such a creative thing because, like, it makes me go straight to creative industries because that's kind of uh, where I come from, where I study. And it's, you, it seems like you're putting a lot of yourself into something. Mm. And for some reason, that seems to come with hate from other people, which can understandably then. Mm emotionally make it much more of a challenge I just kind of wanted to, to say that because it seems like a, a really interesting thing and I think creatively 
this uh, well it seems to be much more mm. relevant in business yeah. I suppose than I think it's a good thing though to be I guess it is a bit like art in a lot of ways where you're creating something that even if people hate it you've still triggered a really strong emotional response in somebody yeah. and it's much better to have triggered some sort of emotional response in somebody even if it's negative than for someone to just be like meh Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's you. It's you in a. It's just sort of branded as pillow talk, but it's yeah. just all of your ideas, emotion, creativity, vulnerability in a product. Basically, <laughs> that's why it exists. Yeah. That's why it is so emotional and hard hitting when somebody attacks that because mm. they might somebody as well said just... once they said it was like having a child, and I thought that's not a bad analogy. It's like you really want this thing, and you make this thing, and you. And you, and in a way, you do. You like birth it. You like bring this thing to life, and you put it out into the world. And then, and then it starts to walk, and it off it goes. And and you're like, please survive. Please be okay in the world. And yeah, so I guess that's why when someone criticizes it, it's probably the same as someone yeah. punching think, your kid in the face. I think that's why me and Jamo are slightly different because Sanctus is so much of Jamo. It's a lot yeah. of me. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of me. Yeah. But Sanctus was born very much like with, with Pillow Talk with you, yeah. Joe, just as him. Yeah. That's why he Jamo is actually a lot more emotional in this business than than I am. I've got a, I bring a lot of emotion to it, but I've still got this kind of percentage of me that I can just hold as that's quite business. But that's what this is in a way. Mm. Mm. Like this is your I mean you know, it's not a fully fledged business, but you know what I mean, like you My creative outlet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. creative outlet. True. But I, I don't know you, you know the way sometimes Jamo speaks to me about the way it makes him feel, I find it quite hard to really, I can relate to a point, but then I can't um, because mm. that was his experience. And I think that's when people are giving you hair, don't think, do you think they really understand the impact that it's having on you? Probably not. I mean, probably James would, if I had a conversation with James, because we're coming from this, we're coming at our businesses from the same yeah. place. But for the most part, uh, probably not and I think there are definitely moments I can think of along the way where I've been to a meeting or pitched an investor or spoken to a customer and somebody said something and I thought they just don't understand how much of me is in this mm-hmm. do you know the one that hurts James the most is on LinkedIn a few times he's been called a snake skin oil what's it called snake skin salesman is that a thing yeah yeah well, people are accusing him of basically of being oh, like, like yeah, just being sell to help. And it, <clears throat> I see him behind like it rips him to the core because he's like, if you know, like if people really know like how it really yeah. felt starting this mm. and where I'm, he's, it just kills him that people think he's doing it for that those reasons. Yeah, I think that's what happens when you are when you come at something from a place of such authenticity mm-hmm. and you are so vulnerable and you're like, this is my truth and this is why I'm doing it and like this is me like guts and everything all over the place and then yeah and then somebody just not only doesn't see that but Mm. like kicks you Mm. (laughs) for it what are the criticisms out of interest or the I suppose the attacks it can can be anything there was the ones that used to get me were when I was because it took me a really long time to develop and finally launch the product how many years was it Seven. Wow. Seven, seven between years that to was get the between the to... idea that was from when it was my university project to when it actually the pre orders yeah. went out of the factory. The long it took game. about five it was five years before we took pre orders. Wow. So we're in five years of R and D before I took any money off anybody. 
and um, which was one thing that always sort of bothered me about all the all the hate that used to come in was people used to say, why haven't you made this yet? Why isn't this done? And I thought, at the minute, I don't owe you anything. Like, you, the, you just want this thing that doesn't exist yet, and I'm trying my best. Um, obviously, that changes when you take pre-orders and you take money off someone because then you, you do owe them something. So I was very careful not to take money off people until I knew I could come good on that uh, promise. But, yes, yeah, some of them... For a long time, people just wanted it and it wasn't ready. And then, obviously, when it, after the pre-orders, people were annoyed about any delays that happened. And, yeah, the ones that always hurt the most were people that would email and be like, are you still even working on this? Or, mm. you know, you don't care about this. We're all sitting waiting for this product and you're not doing anything. And that used that was like being, like, stabbed in the heart because you read that at the end of, like, an 18-hour day and you're like these people can't see that this is all I do every day and I live this and breathe this and this is like the only thing I want to happen hmm. yeah it sounds, it's definitely the most personal I felt anybody well I, I guess James would be the other <laughs> but uh, uh, mm. that you can see the amount of, of yourself you put into a business has that ever been like having so much of yourself in a business other than the attacks has that ever affected the judgments made from your standpoint at the top because obviously it feels mm. that there's a lot more of yourself in it mm. which I can then understand you feel the responsibility that uh, again it's, it's difficult to then let somebody else spin those yeah. plates because it's yours um, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because okay. I probably don't know do I? Yeah I suppose, um, I suppose. I, Is that I, me asking you? Is that what you mean? No like because I don't I don't know if I've made bad decisions mm. do I? Because okay. or because yeah, I mean, logically, I suppose it probably does skew my judgment. Um, and it can... I do have to try and keep it in check sometimes because sometimes I'll be in a situation and someone will say something and I can I can feel myself wanting to make a decision or even a comment. And I know that's coming from a place of my emotional attachment to the product or the company and not that's not like a logical, rational business decision or financial decision. So there are some I'm aware of and but I'm sure there are countless that I have not been aware of yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I have made yeah. <laughs> without realizing that have been emotional decisions rather than rational ones. But if you just think about, I wish Jamo was here now. But yeah, if you think what he's like day to day, it's sometimes to a lot of people. It, I think he feels knowing James as well as I do. I think he feels misunderstood mm. a lot of the time by the team because he's like they don't get how much this means. And then also I think the team find him sometimes like quite irrational and quite. Yeah, they're like, James, why, why do you care so much about this little thing over here? Yeah. Like, this just seems like it's such a small thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, think it's been hard ge- yeah. with it, especially with the team. Mm. I think in, in general, in business, being emotional is still quite frowned upon. Mm. And I think people don't like it because people seem to think it, that it makes you less rational mm. or that it means your decisions are somehow not as, as good or as well judged. And especially being a woman that's come up a lot for me people say oh you're too emotional mm. so I dread to think how James mm. finds I don't know if, if it'd be interesting to have a conversation about that whether it's worse or, or easier uh, being a male but yeah people generally don't don't really either don't like the emotional side or maybe they it's feel threatened yeah. by it and yeah I think that can be where the feeling of being misunderstood comes from is because mm. people are like oh 
emotional. Yeah. And I think JMO, the way he says it to me, is like, I can't hold it in, mate. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's inside, it's yeah, like a fire. It's like trying to burst out of you. And it's yeah. bursting out of me and I can't hold it in. And <laughs> I feel like I'm going to explode mm. sometimes because mm. I've got so much mm. inside me that I want to say, but I don't want it to, you know, I don't want to come across too emotional to yeah. the team or to the investors mm. or to the outside world sometimes. I don't think it's a bad thing to be emotionally led, though. Obviously, there are times you should make decisions when you're in like a raging bad mood or when you're really fired up about something. But I think passion comes from a place of emotion, right? So if you're passionate about something, mm. I don't think it's a bad thing. And as long as you have enough people around you that are balancing you out or enough people around the table that are saying, okay, that's really great, but how about this? Or can we bring this into check? Then That's exactly, honestly, sometimes I think my job as Sanctus is yeah. genuinely just to filter JMO. <laughs> <laughs> he can be as wild and I filter it and then bring it into the real world because yeah. he's so far in the future. And it, but have, it works great. Have you, had, have you had to balance that in yourself on your own? Yeah, Fuck. sometimes. That must have been. That must be so hard. <laughs> I think even emotionally, that must be like a, uh, a difficult thing to almost. You've got kind of got to separate yourself mm. in a way. It's a, like a weird. That, that hate you're talking about. I don't. I don't think I could have taken that for five years. How How would you feel if somebody, you know, this episode goes out and they mm. go, "That was great," but George, you were shit. <laughs> you I, were shit. I think if up. I got that for five <laughs> years and I was didn't have James to just make me just. JMO saying, mate, don't worry about that. You know, we've got each other. Yeah. I think I would... I don't think I'd be strong enough, mm. genuinely. Mm. Yeah, because I guess that's the thing about the emotional side of it is it goes both ways. So you have times where you're really emotional, really fired up about something and you have to bring it into check because you're like, I can't <laughs> go into this meeting bouncing off the walls about this great idea. I have to sound like I've, I know what I'm talking about. Um, but then it also goes the other way where you have days where things have gone really badly or someone sent a really nasty email or something and you're like, oh, and like everything's out for you. But then you have to go somewhere and like switch it on. So that, I guess that's the flip side of the emotion yeah. thing. You're either trying to really rein it back or, or pull it out of nowhere. What's been the lowest point for you over the last nine years? Oh, the lowest point. I just can't, there's been a lot. <laughs> <laughs> there's been a big valley of despair that I've spent a lot of time in. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess the worst one was probably my investors trying to shut me down on Christmas Eve. Oh wow! That was a particular low point. That was like having your whole life pulled out from underneath you. It's almost cinematic. No warning. It's almost cinematic in a way. Mm. That kind of that's tough. How how have you? Because like we've talked so much about the business of it. How have you? Like surely you've supported yourself outside of the business in other ways so like obviously it's something to talk about I mean you've got the mental health side of it so therapy and whatnot. I'm doing therapy for the first time tomorrow really mm. I didn't know that at mm. all first okay. time well that's one option we but then that. obviously physical health I know is really important as well um, but like surely there have been things to support yourself outside of the business you can't have only been driven by something which has been so personal to you for so long um, I think for the most part I was Really? Uh, yeah, I'm quite a, an all or nothing person. I tend to to do something or not do it, and there's there's no in between. I guess the the only thing that immediately springs to mind is my weightlifting stuff. So I, well, I was actually just really fat and wanted to lose some weight, but got really carried away, and um, ended up being Britain's strongest woman. 
it's quite a <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a leap. <clears throat> yeah, but I think the thing, I think the reason, looking back, the reason that I did that and that I liked it so much was because when I look at the times where the weightlifting was going really well, it's when the business wasn't going really well. And I think it's because the thing I liked about the weightlifting and the strength training was it, it was sort of reliable. Like if, if, I, if, I turned, if I turned up at the gym and I did X sets of Y reps, I would get stronger and the next week I'd get stronger. And the, the progress was almost linear. Whereas in business, putting in the work doesn't always yep. equate to results. So I feel like that was probably the thing when everything with the business was really crazy. That was the thing that kept me sane because that was I felt like that was something I could trust because I could go and I could do it and I could get better consistently at that thing. Do you feel like you need anything else outside of it? Or well, actually, how long was that period of start from starting training to then being Britain's strongest woman? Um, two or three years. So, so it's quite a... Did you find then you relied on that for, I suppose, emotional support outside of the business? I think I used it to keep me sane a lot. And because I travel a lot, I sort of used it as my anchor point in a new place. So whenever I went somewhere, the first thing I would do would be try and find a gym and try and find that community and try and find, like, my kind of people. Mm. So that was a good... That was always a good sort of grounding point in a new place when everything was crazy. Have you done? A, have you done like therapy or anything like that? Yeah, I've done a lot of um, mostly in the last year actually. So when I shipped the product at the end of two thousand and seventeen, it was all crazy, and I was in China, and then I came back, and then <clears throat> went straight to a trade show in Vegas where I stood and said the same thing over and over and over again for five days, which is completely exhausting, and er- everything was just nuts. And then I hired a new operations person who took over a lot of the stuff I've been doing, which was game-changing she's the greatest and um and then i went holiday for a week and then it came out of the side and it was just like i felt like i'd just been head down doing this thing for years and then i just sort of looked up and thought oh my god and i actually got really ill i got like really really ill i hear that quite a lot Um, now that when you stop it seems to then yeah i just i stopped sleeping um, I, I got hit with this like fatigue that I can't even explain. I was just com- like my body was just like, Bleh. and like I went to the doctors and they were basically like, you've completely fried your central nervous system. Like you're just like completely physically burnt out. Like your health's in a really bad state. Um, so that was quite sobering. So I spent a lot of last year trying to get healthier as a person, but also yeah, I, I got a lot of um, like. I don't know what you'd call it, coaching, I suppose, because I knew I'd spent years doing this thing and come out the other side, and I knew at some point that was going to come back for me. I thought I need to work out what this, or at least unpack what this means for me and who I am now that I've done this because so much of my identity is is in this. Mm. So, yeah, I've done a lot over the last year, and it's been really, really helpful. What should I, what should I expect? Because I'm doing it. I've obviously done coaching, but therapy's more going back into a bit of my past, yeah. my childhood upbringing. I'm literally, no, I'm doing it today, tonight at five o'clock. How long for? <laughs> I don't know, yeah. Oh. Um, I'm meeting the guy, I have to give him 20 quid cash, which I'm a bit... Like, <laughs> what? Yeah, for the first session. Are you sure? Are you that's, sure this that's, is yeah. that's cheap therapy. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just for the first like, oh, trial it's, session. It's a but tester. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, but I, I just don't know what to expect, really. I know I want to do it. Mm. Maybe it depends how well you get on with the person. Mm. Yeah. Um, so have you been doing it consistently for like... Pretty much, yeah. A year. But yeah. And it's been good. Yeah. What have you learned? Um, I've learned a lot about 
why I am the way I am and sort of where that came from and then certain things in my life that kept happening over and over again or like certain p- patterns I have with like people or situations and learn sort of where they come from and how to sort of break those patterns or what parts of myself I need to work on to have more um, positive relationships with different parts of myself and with other people. You just know yourself more and then... Yeah, but it's, it's helpful to, to understand you, you, like who you are and why you are that way. And, and it's nice to take the time to to really think about who you are and are you okay with that and do you want to be are you okay with that or do you do you want to be different in which case how are you going to work towards being different because I think the average person probably doesn't mm. doesn't stop to to self-reflect very much and what I'm worried about is will I go like two or three steps back before I start to see that progress did you probably did, was it like that <laughs> yeah it can be it can be quite sobering mm. and it can be really draining at times I remember at times like coming out of stuff thinking I feel even worse it's like I feel mm. I feel awful why did I do that mm. but um yeah you just have to persevere mm. through the discomfort no, I'm looking forward to it did I'm you go in with a goal I suppose or was it literally just complete um, like, ending, like this enigma- enigmatic experience that you didn't know where it was going to go I think for me the goal was just to try and get out in front of whatever I knew was going to happen because I knew at some point the fact I'd finally achieved this thing I'd been trying to do for so long I just felt like there was some inevitable mm. something coming and, and I didn't sounds know like that what happened it, with that nine like yeah, a nine of, year burnout where your body yeah, just shut down so it, it sort of did like so I sort to. of I didn't want the the mental equivalent of that I guess mm. um, so yeah I just wanted to make sure or at least put in place a support network around me so that if at some point any, anything did suddenly go I sort of had done yeah, the preliminary yeah. groundwork to start to fix that do you think that experience has actually benefited the business or have they been mutually exclusive at this point? What, doing therapy? Yeah. Um, yeah, probably. I think so. I think in a lot of ways, I'm a, in a lot of ways, not much has changed in the last year in terms of like the business or where that's at. But as a person, I think I've changed a lot. And I think I really needed to do that work to get to where I am now to be able to run the business better and make decisions and decide about its future. Do you know what's really interesting on this? I've got a friend who runs a company. I won't mention his name. He posted on Instagram last night, in a, in a way quite similar to, to you, where he's basically feeling quite burned out, or I think he passed out or something like that. Um, and he posted it and said, I'm fine, it's all good. And I messaged him just to say, I hope you're okay, mate. And he messaged me back saying, I've actually taken it down because I'm worried that my investors will see it. Mm. That comes back to this. Uh, I know we were talking about before, like mm. uh, having an emotional side. Or well, something I wanted to say before was, uh, like, obviously, well, from an investor standpoint, but it just in general, it seems to me now after doing these episodes that passion is almost you can't ha- get investment or support without passion, and everyone's like, you mm. need to be passionate, mm. and I get that. But then, as you say, then they don't want the emotional side of things as well. So it's almost like saying we want all your emotion but only positive and it can't there can't be a, any flips I couldn't believe that I don't know have you ever had to do that kind of sort of keep that what's happening with you behind the scenes away from investors for example um a bit I guess I, 
I think in general as a person I'm quite unfiltered and I, I've always, I was sort of refused to adhere to that expectation of, of having to mould yourself to whatever people expect but the thing that springs to mind is actually I had a conversation with James about it way back sort of just as I guess Sanctus was becoming a seed because um, in 2015 I think I'd just moved to London and as part of an accelerator programme and I got really burned out and I wrote a blog post about it one night I just had like a really long few weeks and you know when you're a bit like exhausted and delirious and you go home and you're like Ugh, and I went, I went home on Friday night and I was just like, Ugh, and I like wrote this blog post over the weekend and I sort of wrote it and published it without thinking about it maybe on like a Sunday night and and I woke up on Monday morning to this like influx of, of mostly people being like oh my god I didn't think anyone else felt this way and um, but I had um the accelerator program were like oh my god you can't say that like take that down like that makes us look so bad if a founder on our program is is feeling that way and I was a bit like well in part it's your fault so if you don't want founders to feel that way don't make them feel that way mm. and then yeah I had other investors call me up saying like you have to take that down like that looks so bad like you'll never raise money again if you've put stuff like that out there and it did make me question myself a bit. I thought, oh, have I made a huge mistake here? Um, but then in the office, people started pulling me aside in the kitchen saying, oh, I'm so glad you wrote that because, you know, I feel like that as well and I felt like I couldn't say anything. And mm. So it was definitely one of those things where as soon as one person says it, it gives everybody else the opportunity to be like, oh, me too. And did you take it down? No, 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 no. Good. Good. And what did you say to those investors and to the accelerator? I know you said... It- did you actually say that to them? Yeah, yeah, I just said, well, that's the truth, and it is what it is. And did it hold, hold you back? Like, did it hold the business back? Because I think, you Possibly, know, Possibly, this... I don't know. Mm. Maybe I would have raised millions and millions and if I hadn't <laughs> written that, but I don't know, mm. and I'll never know. And, like, I'm, I'm fine with it, because I'd rather, I'd rather that way than, than have pretended everything was great and wonderful and, you know, succeeded under false pretenses. Yeah, I just thought that situation this last night where he literally messaged me saying mm. I have to take it down. And I messaged back saying, mate, be you. Right? Like you don't need to you don't have to do that. Um yeah. but I suppose his perception currently is that he can't show that side to himself because he that perception is I'll never raise money again. Like someone yeah. will tell you that and it sticks with you to the point where you will hide parts of yourself. Mm. Which is yeah, can be dangerous. It's a sanctus message, isn't it? I think we just I think we I feel similar to you Joe it's like I we did that last time we hid loads yeah. of ourselves yeah. and this time around it's like I'd rather show all of myself and be fine with that and mm. if that means some investors don't want to invest one day I'm I'm actually really happy with that yeah I read a great line in a book the other day that said that we should all be willing to succeed or fail on the basis of who we really are mm-hmm. and I thought that's that's such a good one and I thought like, that's, that's that's what it's about and if you know if you if you're always yourself and you always stand in your truth and and someone doesn't like that or something doesn't work out then like, fine hmm. talking of investors you've how is your so we've had a few of the guests so far almost like typical white male mm-hmm. investors <laughs> and it made us think in the last episode it's quite stereotypical of the investment scene is that it is white male mm-hmm. and you kind of touched on as well the difference of like female male just like the emotional side and is you are you and james i actually think you're both very similar which is which is <laughs> cool but what's your what how's that been um as a female entrepreneur in a very has it been have you always interacted with like 
the stereotypical white male investor and what's that been like for you? Mostly. I mean, that's what most of the most of the scene is. Um, I, I can't really imagine it being any different, although mm-hmm. I think it should be, and I hope we I hope we get that way. So, um, yeah, it's been up and down, I guess. I've def- I've had some some highlights along the way, including an investor who said he would invest in the company, but only if I replaced myself as a CEO because men are better at running businesses than women. Wow. Yeah. Um, used to get asked a lot, like, was I the secretary? Really? Yeah, there's some... They, they sound like made-up jokes, but, like, it actually happens. Um, I also once got offered a hot chick discount. From an um, investor? F- uh, f- yeah. Wow. <laughs> and do you feel like that's changed? Is it over the years? Do you feel like it's changed? Um, I think it's becoming more hidden, mm. if I'm honest. I think it's very much still there, but now with all the like the Me Too stuff and the fact that it is finally becoming a conversation, I think there are still a lot of there is a lot of that going on, but it's just better, better mm. hidden. Because we yeah we tried talking about it last time, but I, we said ourselves that we are white males, so I'm like. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I do want to talk about it, but it's hard for me to speak about it in a way. Like, it's, it, I really want to hear more, mm. basically, because, yeah, I don't feel like I appreciate it and understand it enough. And obviously, because I'm white male, it also doesn't sound right coming from me. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly yeah. enough, just from this conversation, it feels like the, the not so much more important, but the things that impact you more have been the, well, the haters from the personal product as opposed to those challenges along the way. Is that true or is that... I mean, it all just goes yeah, together yeah. into, one, into one... Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Do you yeah. think any of that hate... Has that hate ever been about you being a female entrepreneur? Sometimes, yeah. There's there. I've had a few comments or emails along the way There's someone was like, let a man do this. Or like, if a man had done this, it would be finished by now. Mm, I, mean, I, I suppose to kind of start to wrap it up slightly... I did want to ask because it's been it must be odd now after spending so long working on a product and now it's gone out what has there been a big shift in terms of your I, I say we say purpose all the time on the, mm-hmm. <laughs> on, the, it's on this podcast but effectively like your goal because I imagine that that must feel very different like obviously a lot has been lifted mm. but a lot has then changed in terms of direction I suppose I mean my purpose was always to try and make technology more human and mm. to help us all not just one product s- no to, to technology in general and, and not so, even so much about the technology but about us as people and how we uh, stay human in a world that is becoming increasingly more digital yeah. because we think we're becoming really connected to each other and we, ha- we can instant message anybody at any time and we're, we're so hyper connected that we're actually becoming quite disconnected from each other as people and being able to have real conversations and sort of some of the fundamental aspects of what actually you know connects us as as humans and I think a big part of that is is authenticity and, and, and how we show up and I think the the Instagram world makes that increasingly more difficult because we just put these glossy fronts out to people that then if we are struggling with something we don't we don't say to anybody or talk to anybody because if you turn up and someone's like, how are you? Oh, everything's great, everything's great. Nobody, 
nobody says like oh actually it's like things are really hard at the minute and uh, so yeah the, the purpose has always been to try and enhance human connection yeah um so for me the product was just the first step in that albeit an, an incredibly long step is there an excitement now in terms of the net oh, i don't know whether it would take the shape of a, another product or what mm. how it would be but is there an excitement knowing that there's another challenge along the line or is there anxiety of going do i have another nine years of uh... um there's part of me it's a bit like oh what now like what can i do next um recently sort of over the last year we've been working with children's hospitals so we've put our technology into children's hospitals and that is like so so incredibly rewarding like to see it to see the product being used in those situations and to see it actually making a real difference is is like everything I could have ever hoped of and more like if I got hit by a bus on the way home I'd be like cool with it like I feel like I've made a really valuable contribution to the world but yeah I do I am excited about what's going to come next and what that's going to look like because there are various ways to to come at that like one of the things I've done recently is um, helped to design a university course and that's been really cool because then I can encourage a whole year of other people to also start to think about the things they're building and do they make con- positive contributions to the world and do they help human connection so yeah I think there's there's lots of options of and you, to go you, you're there. really good at like you do a lot of public speaking and mm. you tell your story of like yeah becoming national champion or strongest <laughs> And yeah, but you do it because you want to positively impact people and encourage people as well to follow their path sometimes as well. Yeah, I think a lot of people are held back by their own self-doubt. And I guess I'm, I like to think I'm an example of perseverance. No, you're proof that, (laughs) yeah, you're going for nine years. Yeah, (laughs) so like, if if I can get that done, anyone can get anything done. I love that. Cool. I was going to actually flip it to you, George. Do you find like, I feel like you've asked me more questions this time. I, um, normally, because Scotty usually Scotty doesn't know our guests, so Scotty just n- fires questions. But I'm I'm actually involved this time, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm just being aware. I was like, well, because it's quite I, it's, it's it's interesting from both your standpoints because of your like I never even thought about the fact that from your standpoint, George, obviously James has a lot of us in the business, but then you come on and you found it from a different mm. standpoint where there's less of I suppose you in it but obviously you have that personal attachment to drive Mm, you mm. has that ever like I wouldn't say be a problem but like Mm. has what has always been the driver for you I suppose when Joe I think this is why me and Joe have always got on unknowingly is that we just care I just care no we knew we got on it's more like why (laughs) why do we get on you say that like you're really surprised (laughs) how did this white man get on with women (laughs) Um, no I think I did actually fancy you a little bit when I first met you <laughs> I genuinely did because I hadn't met many people that were like so dr- as driven as you and I was like oh my god someone that's as driven as me I was probably the first uh, female you'd encountered in the tech world <laughs> G- genuinely and I was like oh my god um, but no we've stayed friends for like years now and I think you do because you, your values are similar like I care about other people and I just want to do good and through Sanctus I feel like yeah, as Joe was saying, you know, things like self-doubt hold you back. And in my head, when we started talking about Sanctus, I just saw your own feelings and mental health as being this kind of hurdle to allowing you to live your full life and be your full self. And I've always cared about that. That's all I've ever talked to my, my brother and sister about, my friends about. I like, wanted people to just 
make the most of life and be their full selves. And that's just what I saw the minute we started talking about mental health and sanctus. So it's just me. <laughs> um, but I suppose like I, I, it doesn't feel, I don't feel as personally, I, I, I mean, I am, but there's an extra like 10% for JMO. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where he says to me like, mate, for nine months, eight or nine months, I was on my own. And that was like, no one believes me. And then I, George, you were the mm. first person that believed in me, basically. So, yeah. Very, yeah. That's cool. World, a positive change impacting end. It sounds it? stupid. It's, it does sound ridiculous, but I think it just, you'd prove it over time, like yeah. the work you're doing now with hospitals and the impact you've had on so many people's lives with the product. I mean, that's the, th- that's the thing. The when, you, when you do something for the first time, everybody thinks you're crazy. Mm. until it starts to make a difference and everyone's like oh and after like nine <laughs> years they just accept oh well Joe's never going to really stop doing that is she so <laughs> they stop questioning it once it's it's yeah. all in the proof yeah um, so yeah no it's been I've lo- absolutely loved uh, we haven't caught up in a while so I've loved to just <laughs> rather than just a surface level one like let's go straight into it <laughs> straight into a podcast what's therapy like yeah yeah <laughs> right um, in the deep end and it's great having like a just another pure you are an entrepreneur but like just pure doer creator um just someone yeah so authentic so pure love yeah. giant it's been yeah it's been well it's certainly been interesting for me it's certainly the most uh, i i find interestingly as i hate saying the word but like as a creative myself it sounds it sounds cheesy to say but like like there's a lot you can kind of relate to in terms of mm. i suppose a, a higher level of mm. uh, putting yourself into something mm. Um, so it's been really interesting for me. Maybe a, we should think about a creative as a guest. Well, that's uh, what, as in like a, you know what I mean. Like maybe that's you, that's for you, Scotty. You know, an, ar- an artiste. Yeah, mate. That's your that's your bag. Maybe that's you bring my the next guest. Yeah, Joe. Thanks so much for coming in. I've absolutely Thank loved it. Thank you for it. having me. Thank yeah. you. It's been awesome.